try. Listen to what Mr. Milet had in this message today. Try and apply some of it in your life. We are going to evaluate a well-known person in the self-help kind of guru space named Ed Milet. He's got a new book coming out called One More. It's kind of based on a philosophy that his whole life is run by. If you're having a shitty day, just make it one more day till you can get to the next one. It'll get better. Uh, if you're doing a workout, he says, just do one more rep than you think you can do. If it's uh, in sales, just make one more phone call than you think you can make. It's it's kind of uh, the methodology he lives by. And it was something he learned from his dad, who was a perpetual uh, alcoholic, just drinking every day, beating him up and his mom and made their life a living hell. And once his dad sobered up, he turned into his best friend and it changed everything about who his dad was. And his, he would ask his dad, are you going to be able to stay sober? And his dad would say, I'll do it for one more day every time he asked him. So that's where he learned it from. We'll see what this, this interview that I uh, took notes on is all about. So we can discover more about his mental habits and thought processes that rule his life. He says, there's an issue in the world today. It's like its own epidemic, which is people think they're further away from the life they want than they really are. Would you rather be happy or sad, rich or poor, help people or not help people? You got a vision in your life. The problem is you think it's so far away because you think it's far away. You act in accordance with that belief system and you perpetually keep yourself there. But truth is that's a lie. Truth is you are one relationship away, one meeting away, one phone call away, one podcast away like this one, one book away, one new thought away, one new emotion, etc. away from completely having a different life. He says, you probably don't understand that possibility. You don't understand how to find those relationships, these thoughts, those meanings, habits, whatever that keeps your dream so far away. But it's literally one thing that could unstick you and shift you to a breakthrough. That's uh, very interesting to think about because I know that I have lots of dreams and things and me and you are, uh, especially when you're young, you get your dreams and shit and everything seems possible when you're young. Just put it that way. The, the older you get, the less likely it seems that you're one relationship away or one phone call away or one doorway away from walking into your dreams becoming a reality right like that's the kind of the way i feel being in my 40s yeah not saying it's not possible i mean everything i think is like lots of people talk about some people are just lucky i think it's they just work and set themselves up to be in the right place at the right time and that's kind of what this concept is it seems like to me Okay, so he says, what qualifies someone to succeed? Maybe they're a drug addict, uh, alcoholic, uh, criminal, overweight, went bankrupt, or other shameful things. 
things they want to hide more than anything. They think this stuff that's happened disqualifies them from helping somebody, anybody, but it is probably the very thing that qualifies them to help others out in the darkest moments of their life. That's an interesting concept to look at is lots of the stuff that we do have that is baggage, skeletons in the closet, the bad shit that you really don't want to talk to anybody about. Maybe a gift that you have that you can share with somebody that could change your life completely because you're able to change other people's lives, helping them get out of maybe the same situation you had to deal with that was absolutely miserable, horrible, and, you know, had you at the bottom. You can actually put a hand out and go, hey, I know how to get you out of this and change your life because I've done it. You may say... You have no idea about my sins, my mess, my bankruptcy, my relationship, my lack of accomplishments I've had so far. I've just, I'm disqualified from having a great life or from helping anybody. And I have to accept mediocrity. Nothing could be further from the truth. Your humanity, your unique experience every person has is something special combined with your gifts which does qualify you to help other people and make a difference in the world. Your soul is either in preparation to change other people's lives or someone is waiting to change yours, whether we know it or not. Interesting, right? Yeah. He equates lots of stuff to the matrix, almost like the world is a game. Here's the deal. We aren't looking for these things, but they're there. These relationships, the meetings, the thoughts, the emotions, they are around us all the time, but we're not seeing them because we're not part of their, they are not part of our matrix. They are not part of our reticular activating system in our brain. I brought this portion of the brain up before many times. seems like lots of successful people like to talk about it. So we're oblivious to all these special things in life. Because we think this stuff is so far away or we're disqualified, we're not even really conscious of what's directly around us or could be the resources to deliver on amazing things in our life. What do you think and what do you do simultaneously in congruence to produce a result? What do I need to think? What do I need to do? And when I do them together, it changes the important part of life that takes you towards your dreams. I don't know. What are you thinking about his uh, philosophy so far? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think it would work for certain people, but it doesn't work for other people because I believe that all people are different. Yes. And some people, absolutely. some people just mentally, when they have something tragic happen in their life, they just, for some reason, can't bounce back. Whether it's, you know, something like a bankruptcy or, you know, maybe something minimal, but I mean, definitely everybody handles trauma differently. Absolutely. I think trauma, I think everybody experiences trauma, regardless, small scale, large scale, whatever. And what could be traumatic to me may not be traumatic to you. What might be traumatic to you may not be traumatic to me. It's your perception how you look at it, how you resonate with it, how you feel about it can change everything. And since everybody is so different, the points you made, well, since we all face traumas, it's going to be very different how you respond to traumas and 
shit. I mean, most traumas and things that sculpt who you are, Danny, and who I am and the listener out there on the other side, lots of traumas, lots of lessons, lots of things that set up the rules for the way you engage life. They happen very early on in your younger years into your teenage years. And then that's basically your setup. That's what you're boxed into thinking pretty much for the rest of your life. That sets up the guidelines, the rules, the beliefs, your identity, all these things that kind of guide you that they're, they're the rails. The train is set to go on for the for rest of your adult life until you die. That's the way most people end up. They don't change their identity or their rules or the way they think. They just kind of get stuck. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, he has a big portion here where he talks about uh, people and their identity and getting stuck in their identity. I think it's it's a, a cool way that he... Um, metaphorically speaks about this. So I'll just go ahead and share it. The most powerful force for human beings is your identity. Your identity is your thoughts, your beliefs and concepts that you hold to be the most true about yourself. It's like a thermostat that sets the entire temperature for your life. Like for your happiness, your wealth, your health is their thermostat set to 75 degrees Let's just say this is for your financial life. For example, 75 degrees of financial self-worth. That's what you think you have. So you can acquire all the skill in the world. You can begin to produce the results. You find the right business. You're producing. Your temperature starts to go up 85, 90, 95, 100. You're cranking on it. But somehow within a year or two, you find a way to turn the air conditioner on and cool it right back down to what you believe you deserve. And you think it's coincidental. So you say it's the stock market, it's the real estate, it's the supply chain. I had to loan some money to a friend or my car broke down. He says it's not any of those things that happened. What happened was you turned the air conditioner on because the results you had exceeded what your identity is comfortable with. Your comfort zone where you believe you live, that's where your identity lives. Interesting metaphor. So if your identity, you know, I would say my identity and Elon Musk's identity are vastly different. And if I could adopt his identity, well, I could probably achieve some very different things in my life. And, you know, say, uh, I don't know, man, there's, you'd have to think of somebody that you could throw a name out that everybody would know who the hell it is, but, you know, say uh, your identity all of a sudden became like the identity of Joe Rogan. Everybody knows who he is. And you started doing a podcast. You would probably have no problem believing that you could just call up anybody and get them to do an interview with you. And you would have a comfort and a cool collect way of, conducting the interviews and doing it and it would probably be like super easy to make a successful podcast and take off doing it if you had his identity 
But since none of us are Joe Rogan or have his identity, we each have our own individual identity. We've got that struggle to find out what are our beliefs and what is the comfort zone of those beliefs that keep us kind of trapped right where we're at and don't want us to exceed too much. Cause when you get outside your comfort zone and you do start experiencing success, then there are certain responsibilities that come with it. Certain people start calling on you more, asking for you more, expecting more of you. And for some people that's, a stress they don't want. So they'd rather be in their comfort zone. Like he's talking about being in that your comfort zones is 75 on the thermostat. It's not being at 90 degrees in your finances or whatever, you know, some people it's being at 90 degrees cooking on the stock market or, you know, doing whatever you do financially to make lots of money. That's your, that's your comfort zone. Other people, that's not their comfort zone. So I, I, I would say I agree with that metaphorical way he speaks about your identity. It's different for sure. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got a a special take on it. It's all his own for sure. I've never heard anybody put it like that. Okay. Here's the things he says, it says, and this is important because since he's saying identity is everything, what you believe about yourself and what you identify as yourself. If you look at those things, and you go, my identity is not what I want it to be, then how do you change your identity? So in this interview that I listened to, he gave the three things that he breaks down to what you got to use to change your identity. He says, number one is faith. Number two is intention. Number three is association. Those three things can shift your identity faith intention and association so that doesn't help very much so i'll tell you number one he says is faith no matter what your faith in jesus buddha muhammad allah zenu god universal consciousness something bigger greater than yourself so when you walk into a business meeting you're alone you walk into your boss's office you're alone you get on your sales calls you are alone. Nerves come up. You go back to your old identity that you have, your God, your creator, the universal source, whatever this thing is that you can relate to. If this DNA is running through your blood, your identity ought to be off the charts. So link up with that and have faith in who you are. What do you think about that? I think that that's okay. But I mean, definitely the most important thing is, is if you're trying to be better and be more successful and be a different, better version of yourself, then having faith in yourself is most important. Well, that's, that's his first one. What you just said is number two intention. So what's your intention? Let's see what he says about intention. Attach your identity to your intentions and you'll never go backwards. Begin to give yourself more credit for what you intend to do and raise the thermostat. If your intentions are actions to make a difference, you will become very resourceful. So pin down the intentions you have to move forward in your life. Is it to entertain people, to provide a valuable service, to lift up those who need help? Whatever it is, It is part of your identity that you should recognize and understand. Intention does not revolve around making more money. 
It's what you intend to do that will make you more money. I think, again, it's just some people have that knack, you know, that drive, but I don't believe everybody does. If everybody did, there would be more successful people in the world. So, um, Well, I mean, that that's kind of like, I know this, he's on a book tour right now. So he's talking about all these hot topics and points and shit like that. But you can read all the shit in the world. You can listen to all the podcasts and all this stuff. People say like Ed Milet is fucking fantastic, but none of it means shit unless you really do the work. Like the self-dissection, the uncomfortable part of picking yourself apart and going, what am I good at? What am I bad at? Where's my comfort zone? Where do I want to be? All these different things he's talking about. If you don't put any action into any of this stuff, which I realized this a long time ago, because I love researching and looking into stuff and getting knowledge from other people. And I have applied some of it and some of it. I wish I would have by now, but I haven't. And I realized where you get the results is you got to actually put into action whatever it is that you believe is good information or it's going to help you somehow. And if you don't try it, then you're never going to know whether it's going to help you out or not. Then you will stay trapped right where you are. Yeah. I honestly think that a lot of successful people, there are those who work really hard to get where they're at. Yeah. But, but to, but to, to just discount, uh, the fact that sometimes it's just, uh, circumstances. A lot of those people, man, they find themselves in special circumstances that most Fucking normal a. people wouldn't. Dude, Otherwise you don't, time. you don't, it's like, okay, well, he says, you know, it's important to go and and maybe you find a new relationship with somebody who will change your life. But the chances are that's going to be by circumstance. It's not necessarily saying you can't go out and meet new people. And obviously the more you meet new people, the more doors it'll open. Right. Yes. But at the same time, a lot of these motherfuckers, man, I'm talking these billionaires out there. It's a lot of it just happened by circumstance. I'm talking about not the people that inherited money or the people that were already kind of left. It You're just talking about people that had points of contact fall on their radar that well, nor- normal people like me and you, normal people like me and you that just became millionaires or billionaires or became successful in their own right. Those people. They, I'm not saying they didn't work hard because they probably did. Oh, fuck. But yeah, I'm also, but I'm also saying became, me or you became a millionaire or billionaire. We would not be lucky. We would have to put in a fuckload of work. I guarantee you. Oh yeah. And once you, and once you start getting a little bit of success and I know I've heard this story probably three or four times over, I just can't account any names at the moment, but once you gain a little bit of success, it opens other doors and exactly. then you become, you're, you're you can meet right. one. Yeah. It'll meet and you'll meet somebody else who will change your life and make you far more successful, far more successful. <laughs> so that being said, I, I think that hard work and, and, uh, you know, putting in the effort and believing in yourself is important, but I do believe that a lot of times circumstances, which may not ever arise for normal people, you know, not saying they're not trying. You ever hear the story about, I'm sure your parents probably told you, or, you know, maybe you've heard it down the line. It's like, well, when you fall down, you got to learn to pick yourself back up. Well, there are people that fall down their whole fucking life, man, and keep picking themselves back up, but never become successful. Why do you think there's only, you know, so many billionaires in the world and so many millionaires? 
not to say that identifies with them as being successful necessarily. Like no, I said, they, they can people, they can be absolutely miserable <laughs> and, and end up killing themselves. We've seen plenty of millionaires and billionaires, people that fucking off themselves because hey, they know how to make money and lots of it, but their emotional life is complete shambles. Their relationships, all the stuff that I think is the gold in life is, are you doing something you really enjoy? Do you have people around that love you and you care about them and they care about you? That stuff matters sometimes way more than anything else. Money is just leverage. Money is freedom to live your life a little bit more relaxed instead of worrying about, and I going to be able to buy groceries next week or pay my rent or shit like that. You know, that's what money does. Well, and then too, like I said, you know, there's people like Bill Gates out there who basically he was, he was handed a fortune. Now, yeah, not to lots, say that, lots that of people don't even know that either, but that's yeah, a great he came, point. He came from money. He, yeah, his, his father came was, from money. Yes. Yeah. But, and so that gave him the ability to move further. Now, granted, he's far more successful than his father ever was. But because yes. he put a lot of hard work in and he did meet the right people and that what, took his What a great thing, off. though. I mean, yes, he was smart enough to get with the right people and make up a program, operating system and stuff. But, but there was a unfair advantage, some people might say, in his beginning of his story because there was money there to allow him to do things where people that grow up, grow up, grow up in uh, Compton or they're in the ghetto of Detroit or wherever in the world you are that you're living in a shack. You barely have food to get by. Maybe you don't have electricity in your house or uh, you don't have running water. I don't know. I mean, there's people that have horrible, horrible time getting up and getting going in life because they are starting at the absolute bottom. And so that is a different set of circumstances that, hey, like you're saying, everybody's different. That It's not all fair. The, it's, the world's not fair. Some people get to start out like Bill Gates with uh, parents with money and some people don't. Yeah. And and two, another thing is like, you can definitely say that with like, I say a good example of applying that information would be like, look at uh, some of the athletes from the past that grew up in Detroit or grew up in Harlem. And yeah, they came from nothing. They had nothing, but they basically had motivation and drive to be successful. And then eventually once they made it to the big leagues, whatever sport it may be, then they became they had that driving motivation to keep them there and to stay there. Well, at least some of them did. Right. And I've heard some stories about some of the people that became like professional basketball players and stuff that were beating his children. They lived in the ghetto, just the worst shit you could think of. Yeah. And it's just crazy to hear about how they had the adversity to change their life. And it, but then again, one particular story I'm thinking of, this particular high school student who was a great high school athlete found in his college coach, he was able he wasn't the smartest kid, didn't get the best grades, but he still worked hard and his coach helped him out with a tutor and he got through college and then eventually went on to play pro ball. And the funny thing is, is that he was one of probably the few that I've seen in interviews who's actually truly grateful for every single thing that he had. Whereas a lot of them that get to that point, they get they get lazy. They the money right. so much that they just they take it for granted. So I like that whole story of 
hearing about somebody who can be nobody and become something. And I don't mean being a multimillionaire because I mean, doing something exceptional instead of just staying at the bottom of the fucking life's, you know, scale where we, we look at people and they're just in poverty. They're doing nothing. They're just basically a burden on everybody else around them. Yeah. And I think that people identify success with money and that's generally an issue. Cause I've always been told, I remember my grandfather saying, never judge a man's success by the size of his wallet. So, I mean, the simple fact is, is that you can be successful at anything you apply yourself to be successful at. It doesn't mean you have to be a millionaire. I would say you want to just open up your own soup kitchen and feed homeless people. I mean, that's successful. That's great. It's if that's what makes you happy. That's what matters. Sure. Well, I mean, I wish more people thought like that because I mean, the world's in fucking disarray. <laughs> so, I mean, if we had more people out there actually out there helping people, you know, or at least giving them the encouragement and drive to help themselves. Cause I believe that's, it's hard. Yes, it is. And I, I think that's at least one good thing us looking at this material and examining this Ed Milet character is he does want to provide free information for people to help them with their mindset and that's education. And you're not going to get this education about life at, at school. School literally teaches you how to do the rudimentary math and English and the history that's perverted by them and blah, blah, blah. But it all is to teach you how to come into school from this set hours to this set hours, take your lunch. And you're basically taught to <clears throat> learn material, regurgitate it, pass the test. It makes you into a robot to where you'll be a great factory worker or an office worker or working for somebody in the system. They want you to just plug in like a jigsaw puzzle to the way that this works out here in the world. They don't want to teach you how to be an entrepreneur, how to have an imagination, how to overcome adversity. None of this stuff we're talking about is taught in school. No, you know, it's funny having kids myself. I, I look at it as the only thing that I found good about actual public school. I looked at it from the time when my kids were little, that it was good for social interaction. That is what it's good for. That's about the only thing I can really think of. Cause you're right. I mean, schools now with the, the, you know, state guidelines that they have per state. And I've looked at them thoroughly. Oh my God. It's, it's so ridiculous how retarded America is. I mean, literally, we are a dumb fucking country. It's just, you just so, said the standards are very low for what they require. They're, kids. They're, they're, you look at other countries overseas that just, they're teaching their kids all important stuff about life. You don't get life skills going to school. You get what you just said, regurgitated fucking information out of a book. Right. So none they, of it. Algebra? Are you ever going to use algebra unless you become an aeronautical engineer? or and Which is fine if you're going to do that. But is it really... I mean, 99% of those kids will never use algebra. What your point is, is lots of real life applicable skills are never taught in school. So when the kid turns 18, they literally don't know anything about what they're supposed to do out in the real adult world. Like, you know, opening a bank account, managing debt, credit, things like that, you know, controlling your finances. Uh, This is all shit that's so very important. But when a kid graduates school, they're just thrust into you need to go to college and that means get you a fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar loan to go to a college 
and you'll pay that till the day you fucking die because you that's one debt you can never get rid of even with bankruptcy and that's what everybody is pushing on their kids that's what school yeah. teaches you and that's what most parents push their kids to do you, know, you can't do anything without an education you got to have an education well to me most of the people that are making most of the money in the world are entrepreneurs and salespeople, and that didn't take a damn lick of college no, and it's cool that there's people out there that are like self-educated and self-taught about these kinds of things. The problem is somebody like Milet, it's the information that he has is not reaching the right audience at the right time. I mean, sure, that's great that you become a, say, a 40-year-old adult and you all of a sudden want to, you, you read his book and you're like, holy shit, this guy's great. I'm going to change my life. But you're 40 fucking years old, man. Imagine giving that information to, say, a 13 year old, 14. Year old. Oh yeah. It, that's, that's a beautiful thought. And I, that's what I so wish is that kids these days could get better information at a younger age and not have to go look for it their damn self. And that's, well, they don't, they don't want you to be a free thinker. That's for sure. Schools no, are not rigged for you being free thinking. And it's all against that to take anything that might fucking tamper with the money in the system, dude, it's just never going to happen. Like they've fought to have state curriculums changed. Teachers have been fired for teaching outside the guidelines. They're like talking about things about self-preservation and shit like that. And you can't do that in school. They won't allow it. I'm sure that there's so many teachers that are against the school curriculum and they don't want to do it exactly the way they're being told to, but that goes just in line with probably nurses and doctors that had to deal with this COVID bullshit that didn't want to do what they were forced to do. And they had to do it or, you know what, you're blackballed. You lose your whole career. You lose your job that you did go to college and get your degree in or whatever to be there. So you just have to be a robot. You have to do what you're told. You can't buck the narrative. You can't go against it. Well, in the end, too, the sad part is is that most of them teachers, and I don't say all of them because that wouldn't be fair, but a lot of them, I guarantee you, are thinking, well, I make 30 grand a year. Why do I give a fuck? Right. You know. Am I going to really risk my job when I'm not even making that much money anyways? I'll just do this. I hate it. I'll just go through my eight hour day and get the fuck out of here and go get a drink with the other teachers and call it a night and get up tomorrow and do it again. They don't give a shit. Shit. Part of that is, is the teacher should know that you could be an assistant manager at fucking McDonald's and make more than 30 grand a year. <laughs> That's much- the shit part. Yep. How, how much education do you think that asshole has? Oh, the motherfucker at McDonald's doesn't have an education. He, he's the guy He's the guy that you had trouble with in your fucking 11th grade English class. Yes. <laughs> that's the guy that's running McDonald's. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny how that shit works, right? All our, all our kids are being taught by underpaid people, which I do believe some of them are very good people. And yes. really want to be there and really want to teach. But our fucking education system is like ranked 31st in the world. Like, I mean, that's shitty, dude. Like, we used to be, if you look back to, I think, the 1960s, we used to be like in the top five. And well, now we're like at the, like, damn near. It's intentional. There's no way. Yeah. There's no other way it can it can be than intentional to me because we have so much money to invest in 
um, curriculum and teaching and doing things the right way. We have so much money to invest in health and taking care of people and doctors and medicine. But you look at both those systems that we're talking about and we're like the unhealthiest fucks in the world. And we have so much money invested in it more than probably anybody in the world in the healthcare system. Then you look at the school system and we've got the money to invest to make sure that kids get taught correctly and are being raised here in a way that's effectively making them some of the smartest people in the world. But yet we're some of the stupidest. I think it's all unfortunately just the way uh, whoever is behind this curtain pulling strings, that's the narrative. That's, this is what they want. And I don't know who they are. Nobody really does. You can look at the world economic forum. You can look at NATO. You can look at all these different weird worldwide foundations that seem to be controlling everything. And nobody fucking really knows who's controlling what, but there is a sinister plot amongst us. And that's why it's even more important to be aware of what the fuck's going on and make your own choices. So you don't fall in line like another zombie. You, honestly, the only thing that our country is really number one at or really great at anymore, <clears throat> other than maybe a few things that don't really make a difference, is uh, military technology, man, building bombs. And you know what, who's building probably, those bombs? We probably invest the most those, money in that system. <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Tomahawk missile, some of the, the what is it? There's like a A1 something missile that I think Lockheed builds. So it's that kind of stuff that they're geared toward. And the people that are working in that industry are just high school graduates with minimal education. Cause it doesn't take a fucking college degree to be a machinist, dude. It doesn't. Right. You just start on the ground floor, work in deeper and work your way up. I know people that have done it. So the thing is, is that that's, what's important to our country now is building bombs <laughs> and fuck everything else. Healthcare, education, all that stuff, that's why we're not number one is because we're doing like what North Korea does. So basically, I feel like we're basically a communist fucking country. Yeah, the big investment is in making slaves out of the people here. For I'm sure. Just, I'm just wondering, fuck the woke movement, you know, that that whole retarded statement. I want people to awaken from their stupor and start realizing all the stuff that we're talking about. That's it. Yeah, for real. Listen, do you have an extra $10 a month? No? $5 a month? No? I know you got $1 a month. And you'd love to donate it to somebody working their ass off to provide great information and entertainment to you, the listener out there in podcast land. So look for the support link below and you can help me out. And I would greatly appreciate it. Think of it, you can't get anything for a dollar anymore, but you could support this podcast. I understand times are tough, so if you don't got it, don't worry about it. The podcast will always be free, but I'm offering you a way to help out if you can. All right, back to the show. Okay, so on changing your identity, number three is association. So this has to do with who you're around. Um Everybody talks about this to some degree, I swear. Okay, so he what, did, what does he say? Um, it's not just who you're around, but also their proximity to you. When you're around somebody who's, here's the thermostat uh, comparison again. You're around somebody who's got 150 degrees of wealth in their life, and you've got 75 degrees on your thermostat. 
you will heat up to their proximity eventually over time or at least come close to them. So make it a priority to choose friends, mentors, or people in business carefully. Aim higher, never lower, and your thermostat will adjust accordingly to the proximity of your association to these people. I can Uh, say that is definitely something that can be very relevant if uh if you're in the hood let's say we we we, we kind of went off talking about people who come from the shittiest places in life well if you're in the hood and you are in a poor part of town there's nobody really making it big there it doesn't seem like but you can always find somebody who's doing a little bit better And I can think of certain people that came from bad situations and they found mentors. One person I think of was Eric Thomas. He's a worldwide uh, self-help speaker, um, helps people around the world. He came from living on the streets and he just walked into a church one day and the pastor talked to him, took him under his wing, got him a job at McDonald's and started changing his life just because he took that pastor on as a mentor. And then the mentor starts telling him you're a great speaker. You have a, a, a skill with being an orator. You need to develop that skill further. He got his GED and he pressed him to go to the local college and paid for him a course, not to get a degree or anything like that, just some kind of local college had a thing on doing like debate or some bullshit like that. Just did just to teach him how to get up and speak in front of people. Cause he said he had a gift in it. And sure enough, he did have a gift in that and that helped that mentor gave him and pushed him to do better. Well, he got him a job. Number one, then he got him a place to live instead of living on the street. Then he pushed him into getting that a uh, little local degree from the local college. Um, and that, gave him the faith and the belief and the skills and some money to do something with himself. And he turned out to be a worldwide success and lots of people come from really shitty places in life. And if they will just choose to stop hanging out with the drug dealer or the thugs over at the basketball court or whoever the fuck it is you're hanging around that are just low lives or pieces of shit or sitting around talking bad about other people and not doing anything with their own damn self get away from the negativity, get away from the bad people, the people that Ed Milet would probably say are uh, 30 on their thermostat and hang around some of these people that are on the higher echelon of the thermostat. So they can help you raise your temperature and whatever degree or whatever level it is your life you want to be associated with. If you're around them, I do think that rubs off on you by osmosis. It just kind of, it will start permeating your life. I believe that. Yeah, I, I believe that. I mean, I, I you can honestly say that, I, and I've told people this before. I mean, if you surround yourself with uh, positive and like-minded people, then you're gonna you're gonna have a lot better outcome than being around people that are constantly dumping on you or being shitty or negative. And you won't get anywhere like that. You'll just be fucking miserable like they are. And why have people bring you down? That's honestly, I mean, why I cut so many people out of my life. I was just sick and fucking tired of listening to everybody's bullshit. Yeah, if you pay attention, you notice it's not taking you in any good direction. Every time you talk to them or get around them, you're not doing anything good with yourself. And you probably feel yucky just after being around them. You don't feel better. It's stressful. It's definitely stressful to not just to 
your physical being, but definitely to your mental being. And that's the whole thing is people need to understand you want to have good positive vibes and stuff, man. Don't be hanging out with people or being around people that are, you know, got their own issues that are just constantly beating you down with it. Yeah. So I do believe that that's a, that's definitely a good point that he points out is, yeah. is that being around people that are positive, being around those kinds of, it's going to, it's going to help you focus more on being a better you. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, there you go. That's his three things that he says changes your identity. It's faith and something bigger than yourself intention. What do you intend on doing and association with whoever it is that you want to be more like, or you want to learn from, or you want more positivity in your life, whatever it is, associate with those people. So those are his three points on identity. Very good points. Okay. Here's a little thing that he said that I thought was good too. On the other side of temporary pain, you're introduced to your other self and that other self can produce another life, but only if you learn the lesson from those painful events you can grow and develop from hard, difficult, and sometimes near-death occurrences. Or you can ignore it, then life will probably bring that lesson back to teach you again. You can build a lot of resilience, new skills, a stronger mind or body. A lot of success can come through temporary pain. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people are gluttons for punishment. Yeah, man. If you don't learn your lessons... I totally agree with what he says. Life will find a way to bring that lesson back and fucking hit you right over the head with it again and again. Lots of people that have gone through that, just not, not ever getting it, you know, well, I I guess it's like tempting fate over and over again. Well, if I'm, if I'm a dumbass and I keep doing dumbass things, I guess I'm just always going to be a dumbass. Well, yeah. I mean, if you don't, you know, take, take the positive out of the bad thing that happens to you. And look at it as well. Now I know what not to do or what not have happened to me again by making changes, little small personal changes or whatever it is that you need to guide yourself away from those kinds of negative things that happen to you. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Everything's always easier said than done because action that says enough right there that that requires you getting up off your ass and doing something about it. (laughs) Okay. Next cool point. He says, free your mind. We were just talking about this a while ago. What's everybody got a problem with brain entrainment. Everybody seems to be socially engineered by them or they that is out there controlling the fucking world, (laughs) Uh, guiding us in this one direction or maybe there's a couple different directions we see that they they want you to be a Republican or a Democrat, or they want you to recognize there's no gender, or they want you to do this or do that, or whatever it is. Having a free mind and thinking for yourself is very fucking important. And since we were just talking about it, here's something he said about it, and I'll I'll pitch it at you and let's see what we think about what he had to say. Everybody listening to this needs to understand for your mind. You can have all of the tools in the world. I use practical things that are proven scientifically in life that you can apply and understand pretty easy. Freeing your mind is a process of repeatedly visualizations of what you want in your life. Your mind moves towards what it's most familiar with. So if you're most familiar with your worries, your problems, your to-do list, you gravitate right into that. 
become an impossibility thinker and a possibility achiever. Most people at some point in their life begin to operate out of their history and memory. That's their operating system in their brain. Kind of goes back to the reticular activating system too and what he was talking about earlier. There might be different people. There might be different circumstances, but the emotions and the results are pretty much the same. They repeat history and memory over and over again. Rare people operate out of their imagination and their dreams. The majority of the time when you're a child, you're happier. Why? Because you're operating out of your imagination and your dreams because you have no history and memory to be tied to. By the time you're 20 or 25, we are operating out of a semblance of history and memory imprinted in our youth. Society will impress on you that dreams are illogical and are far-fetched, that you're not qualified and you're not capable. Then you will reinforce it with choices and your behavior to where you actually believe that you're right about what society has taught you that you're actually not qualified. You're not capable because that's what's being revealed to you. And then he goes on to say, you need to be more realistic. That's a dangerous term. Unrealistic people rule the world. Realistic people work for them. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Here, Here we go again. The reticular activating system is so powerful. I think of it like a heat seeking missile. So what are you targeting? Oftentimes it's going, going on automatic. In most people's lives, they don't realize they get to choose their perception. The thoughts they think are just happening without any real direction, but the input coming from around them. The input needs to be your direct wants and needs. So not this random shit of you just letting it happen. Instead, choose a direction for it. This is actually very simple, but it beca- it takes you becoming aware and taking responsibility of what your thoughts are and how you want to direct them. And this is kind of the part where we're talking about a while ago, like so much of this information, it's great, but most people will never do shit with it. They won't put in any thought to what this guy's saying or how to use your reticular activating system or find out what the fuck a reticular activating system part of your brain is or any of that stuff because it takes that action. It takes that legwork. He says, you ought to actually analyze what is a thought. The thought is the process of asking and answering questions to yourself. So if you want to change your thinking, you need to change the main question that you're asking yourself. Also have some regular questions. You ask yourself, what am I worried about right now? I'll literally, if I don't have anything to be worried about, if I'm not taking control of my mind, I'll just end up looping until I find something to be worried about because that's the question. And most human beings are unaware of their unconscious questions. They're asking themselves all the time. And these create thoughts and those thoughts create emotions and these emotions create behaviors. And then you reinforce them over and over again. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that underlying stuff. that's it's a little bit complicated, to think about and to put work in and understand this stuff and then do something about it. So like we were talking about earlier, most people just probably are not even going to touch it because it's too involved. So everyone says, change your thinking. How do you do that? 
you have to take control of the questions you ask yourself. And sometimes for me, it's as simple as honestly saying to yourself, what do I need to believe right now? So it would actually serve me. Let's even say that the deck is stacked against you. Okay, fine. You could choose to believe that and then to reinforce it. Sometimes just ask yourself, what would I need to believe about this so that it could actually work? And you change your questions and then you change your thoughts and that can change your life. You ask negative questions. Why is it happening to me? Why won't somebody help me? And you're going to be filtering your internal and external environments to find things to affirm why you. Why does your life suck? Why is your health shitty? What you look for, you find. Again, the reticular activating system is at work. It starts filtering the world to find why you have been shit on. (laughs) So you can have your answer. That's all your brain wants is the answer to your questions. You must change your dominant question. Ask, what can I do to be the healthiest person I possibly can? What can I do to change my life direction? Ask powerful questions and you'll get more powerful answers. Oftentimes in society today, we're not encouraged to embrace our power or even educated that you have any power. (laughs) That's so true. We are reinforced to believe we are at the mercy of life happening to us instead of us being able to create the life we want. It's basically all the shit we just got through talking about a while ago. I agree with everything he's saying. I mean, in general, did you find any fault in the thought process he's going through? No, not at all. I mean, it's just like one of those kinds of things. Like you take a person, they're walking down a path, they run into a wall and they might, you know, nine times out of 10, most people are just going to accept that. They're going to say, well, I'm at the wall. I can't go any further. So I might as well either stay here or turn back. They're not going to ask the question, how can I get around this wall? How can I get over this wall? Ah, there how, can you go. Get, how can I get through this wall? Because there's, exactly. there's lots of different ways, but it seems like an indestructible object in front of them. Whatever it is, it's stopping them from getting where they want or achieving what they want, having the money they want, having the relationship they want. That's the brick wall Danny's talking about. And they don't know how to get around that. Metaphorically, you just look at it as, well, I need to find a tool to get through this. So either I need a fucking sledgehammer to knock the wall down. I need stamina to run all the way around the wall, or I need to find a rope to climb the wall. And it's going to take work. That's the whole thing. People fail because they look at that giant fucking wall and they're saying, well, this is it. This is, I'm, I'm at my limitations. You know, I, I can't do any better. I can't go any further. This is it for me. Rather than thinking outside the box. You know, what can you do instead of just looking at this big intimidating wall and accepting it and saying, okay, this is it for me. What can you do that, that, that would go to that saying, you got to ask yourself a different question. Never mind about the worrying of the wall. What can you do to get through that obstacle? Right. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. There's got to be a way to get through it, get over it, get around it. There's, there's some way to do it. It's, will you ask that question? Like he was just talking about, will you ask the empowering question that allows you to actually achieve whatever goal you're after? And then will you follow through with the action once you get that answer? Right. It goes back to what he was first saying. It's, it's basically, you know, finding a way to get through it, 
you know, find that's, I think everybody's problem. I don't say everybody, but it's the majority of people's problem is, and I know a lot of people that just kind of live the day to day and they accept, Hey, this is life. You know, I got a $40,000 a year job and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but you, you know, you've, you have asked yourself a question before, what can I do to do something better to whatever it make my make 10 grand more a year, get better medical care for my kids, whatever the fuck it may be. It's like, but then they, they find themselves, they're like, they just finding acceptance in the life that they have. And that's the majority of the people on this planet. It's just accepting. This is what I was meant for. And it's so funny because it all goes back to the beginning of, I believe that everybody is bred to be a slave. It's just that simple. Even the rich and famous, they just, they're a little bit more special. They, they ask themselves that question. What can I do to get past this? I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be a little bit better. Right. I want to be unique in some certain way or fashion. Too many people just accept the inevitable. That's the way they look at it. Well, it's, you know, this is what my, my dad did, his dad did, their dad did, whatever. And this is just who I am and who I'm going to be. But those special that goes, people that, that goes step back out. To, that goes back to identity, like we were talking about earlier. That's that's your identity. You've accepted that my identity is I am the factory worker. My dad was a factory worker. My dad was an alcoholic. I like to drink too. Um, you probably notice you have the same relationships like you saw in your family and certain things just repeat. And that's part of that whole history and identity and everything he was talking about that people get tied to and just accept as that's who I am. You don't have to accept that as your identity. You can create a new one. Free, free your, free your ass and your mind will fall or free your mind and your ass will follow. Yeah. And that's another thing we just went through was him talking about how important it is to free your mind. Okay. So this is a cool one. Another metaphorical type situation he's talking about in life. This is another reason why a lot of people end up not getting what they want. Okay. He says the pinata is the ultimate metaphor for life. And I'm sure you know what a pinata is, right, Danny? And most people do. It's those kids have them at parties or little things hanging up from the tree. It's like a paper mache animal or something usually filled full of fucking candy. And one kid walks up and takes a whack at it with a stick until they get tired. And then they pass the stick into the next kid and he takes a whack at it until he gets tired. Eventually, somebody's going to crack the fucker open and the candy will come out. So. Anyways, let's see what he says about this. Say there's like 10 five-year-olds and the first kid gets up, the birthday boy. He just whacked the crap out of the pinata like 60 times and no candy comes out. He finally goes, I quit. Next kid beats the crap out of it. Really big kid. No candy comes out. Pardon me. What they didn't know is they were doing something called compounding, which is invisible progress. You can't see it. But they were breaking that pinata down, but none of them knew it. Compounding is invisible progress. The next kid gets up, he hits it, he quits. So about six of these kids get up, they all quit. The last little dude gets up, glasses on, he's a skinny kid. He didn't even want to swing the bat. He's afraid. He's a little embarrassed to even take action to do it. He thinks people will make fun of him. He takes one swing, barely hits the pinata, and boom, it comes up, and all the candy comes out. The kids are celebrating. The question you have to ask yourself is, 
Was it the last kid's final shot that bro- broke that pinata open? Or was it an accumulation of all the blows over time that did it? And we all know the answer is it's the accumulation of the compounding hits that broke it open. Most people quit before the candy comes out on everything they do in life. They don't give themselves credit for invisible compound progress. They just don't do it. So they quit before the candy comes out in a relationship or in a business or in their workout progress at the gym. So they're so damn close. They quit right before success just because there's no external evidence of the progress. Life is like this pinata. And I've just learned in my life to give myself credit for progress that's invisible because I know one more, one more, one more has to be making progress. If I can't see it, you just have to contribute this to something called faith. Yep. And it's, it's, it's described exactly like I've heard so many others say it So. I mean, maybe he puts it a little bit differently, but it's basically the same story. It's like you're on the path to success. You're rolling down this straight path and everybody always quits before, right before they turn the corner, right before they turn the corner. They didn't realize their dream was right there, but they quit. Yes. That's that's 99.9% of fucking everybody. Dude. It just happens. Have you ever seen a little cartoon of... There's like the ground level and you see the guy digging down, digging down, digging down. He's digging for gold and he, he fucking digs like 20 feet down and he says, fuck it and climbs out of the hole and leaves. And another guy comes along and jumps in his hole one or two scoops and he goes into a gold mine. Yeah. Gold and he didn't have to do shit. The other guy did all the work for him. That's a great cartoon that just shows don't give up because you really, yeah. I like to say this, you really only lose when you quit. If you don't quit, you'll win eventually. It's just, when are you going to win? You don't know. That's that invisible progress thing that he's talking about with the pinata. A lot of times that's the way it is. Like with the, the gym, when I first started working out, I didn't see my body change. I was just a skinny little shit. I had to do that compound progress thing. It's, it's just one more time, one more, one more lift, one more pound, uh, one more day, one more week, one more month. Eventually six months, I see my body's changing, you know, yep. and years doing it. I've completely changed. I'm not a skinny little shit anymore. Instead, I'm the guy that everybody points out and goes, hey, he's fit. I wish I looked like him. I wish I could get my shit together. I wish I could eat clean. I wish I could go to the gym and lift weights like that. They don't know how many years I've been doing or how long it took for me to compound progress to have this, which is the case with lots of people. Lots of people look at successful people with a super nice car and shit. They don't know how long it took them to work to get that shit too. So compound progress is something that I think is great that he brought up. There's invisible progress. Lots of people are achieving something and they give up right before they get the big surprise, the big, you know, goal they're after. Yep. It's, it's, it's funny, man. Cause you, you can chalk it up to the, the people that want it for nothing. I say those are all the people that go down and buy lottery tickets. <laughs> I literally asked a woman in the gas station one day, I was like, so, I mean, how much money do you think runs through here a year when people buying tickets? 
She goes, honestly, she goes, it's way worse than cigarettes or beer. She gambling. said, it's, yeah, buddy. yeah, gambling is fucking way worse. She said, that, they make that more. That dream that somebody's going to hit the big million dollar jackpot. It never happens. And that's what's so funny. I mean, one person out of like a billion people, you know, or, or even if it's like 500 million, it's still ridiculous. That's yeah, like the, your the odds. odds are, you are more likely, I think, to get hit by lightning like 25 times than to win the lottery. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, <laughs> if you just applied that principle and said, okay, well, I'm not, cause I never have bought a lottery ticket. Not once in my life. I just never I, have. I've done it plenty of times just for fun, but I know that the likelihood is not there that if, if by some chance I hit the $25 million jackpot, it would be like fucking just some blessing bestowed upon me out of fucking nowhere that I didn't expect at all because lots of people go buy those tickets expecting to win. This is going to be the time I, I know these numbers are going to be the ones or whatever. I'm not like that. If I buy it, I, it's just a random fuck it. I just, for the hell of it, just see if something randomly happens and the universe wants to dump, you know, a massive supply of millions of dollars into my bank account. Yeah. Which I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, a lot of people don't realize they're the one that the the world's made up of those kinds of people. Uh, They don't want to work hard for anything, which is stupid because honestly, probably a lot of them are working hard for their money. They're just giving away to the fucking government. Cause you know, I mean, you look at that state regulated lotteries, man, the government gets half the fucking money. Fucking A. And it's, you think the payouts are big? Everybody's like, Whoa, did you see that? That jackpot was a hundred million. Yeah, but they already made over a billion on it. It's like you're stupid. Oh, the, the lottery system makes so much freaking money, and the government does too. Single single locations at gas stations can literally make tens of thousands a week on lottery sales. It's fucking insane. But people put their hope into stupid shit like that, rather than saying, "It's a great." I would point. rather just put hard work and effort into my life. And guess what? If it works out, great. If not, at least I'll feel like I'm accomplished because I was trying. Instead of being a fat-ass fucking shit on a couch, eating fucking bonbons and watching fucking reruns. Yes. that's I don't understand that. Take those moments in life. Sure, have a little moment for yourself. You know, give yourself some peace. But get up off your lazy motherfucking ass and make something happen if you want to be successful. If not, quit crying about it. (laughs) It's really that simple. That's the way I look at it. Oh, no, it's a beautiful point. I mean, and uh, like he was uh, stating with this pinata thing, just keep putting in the work. Or if you haven't started doing the work, choose what it is you're gunning for, go after it, and just keep doing it. Just keep hitting it one more time. Just keep doing it one more time. Just keep doing it one more day, one more hour, you know, one more week, one more month, and success will come for you. It's around the corner if you keep repetitively doing something that's positive, putting action into something that is going to compound interest and give you back a result, you will get that result eventually, but you've got to put in the work. It's not buy one more lottery ticket until you win, because that's not going to work. Danny is hitting you with the reality. It's about working. It's not about throwing money away on stupid things because you want freebies out of life because life pretty much doesn't give you any freebies you got to earn everything well people need to understand too the difference like you are a slave it's that simple you're just born a slave it's a horrible thought but it's mostly true it's 
true. You're, you're born a slave to the system. The difference between the slave that's going to be happy and the one that's going to be fucking miserable is even if you're a slave to the system, if you're looking at an alternate path to change that, to do something different with your life, say yeah, it could be something made a lot. I'm going to get a second job or, you know, I'm going to start trying to do something else for fun until it develops into something creative and maybe fruitful. Those people actually have the ability to look at life and say, you know what? I'm not doing this for nothing. You know, I'm not just the average Joe. I'm, I'm doing something a little bit better than everyone else. And you know what? That makes all the difference in the world, man. If you have a side dream, because it's, you know, people say that dreams are stupid. You know, everybody dies with their dream, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, is that having a little, yeah. And if you have a passion and you want to be, because you're going to be a slave, no matter what, you're going to be a slave and you're going to have to keep on that path so you can pay to have a roof over your head, feed your children, stuff like that. Everybody has to do it. I do it. You do it. We all do it. So, but to have a little something in the, the thought process of changing your mind and saying, you know what, but I'm not going to accept just this. I'm going to keep doing this, but I'm going to look at alternate, you know, instead of coming home every day and, oh, I'm tired and I'm a pussy old, and I'm going to cry old, about it. Yeah, it's the old Netflix and chill thing. Oh, man, I'm so fucking tired. All I want to do is I just I, I need to have my time to sit on the couch and just chill out and have a beer and whatever. Spend yeah. 30, pick 30 minutes or an hour or something out of every fucking day to do something positive and move you forward. Whether that's a workout routine or whether you can pick two hours, you can do a workout routine and you're going to school yourself or learn something new, or you're going to start a new little business on the side and you're going to put a little work into that every day. And maybe on the weekends, you're going to spend five hours on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday, putting some work into that, whatever it is. That's what we're talking about is put some effort into something like he's talking about with this pinata example here and whack at it one more time. Every time you got a chance to do it, do something. Don't do just the, the bullshit mundane things you have to get by in your life. If you want to be successful, if you want to go after one of your dreams, if you want to be happy or whatever it is, then choose something and go after it and do it consistently and don't give up just because you don't immediately see the results is what he's saying. Keep plugging away. Yeah. There's nothing worse than the people that get to the point where it's like, well, you know, doing something like that's a needle in a haystack. It's like, dude, don't be a pussy about it. I'm going to jump in that haystack for you. Find the needle and come out and stab you with it. <laughs> like, and then you'll find the needle and then maybe you'll have some hope. But, <laughs> but seriously, that's, it's annoying to me that when people just they, 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 that's why I don't surround myself with people like that. It's because it's a constant fucking beat down. They've already determined in their mind that they're going to be losers, that they're, they got fucked by life. That's their story. I got fucked by life. It's, I guess circumstances happen, but life didn't fuck you. You fucked yourself by giving up. Yep. It's really that simple. Yep. So always okay. have an alternate dream. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Let's go over one last quick fact because time's about to run out on this show. And uh, you may not think this is a fact, but this is a fact for Ed Milet. He says, this is how he quickly changes his state, how he's feeling, whatever you, way you want to look at your state. 
what state are you in right now? Are you happy? You sad? You mad? You loving? Okay. Here's how he changes it. One of the ways to change your state and emotions is how you move your body. The quickest fix to change your emotions is to change your physiology. It's to work out. It's to walk. It's to make love. It's to laugh. That's a lot of different ways. He just gave away right there. These are things that quickly change emotions because the same physiology is required in all of them. It's very difficult if you're not moving your body and using it in an elegant or beautiful way to the best of your ability that you can generate emotions on a regular basis that you want. Stagnation and a lack of health makes it very difficult to feel bliss and peace when you're not moving your body. So what's a change agent for you emotionally? Move your body, take a walk, take a run, do a workout, watch something funny or listen to something funny. Hell, do jumping jacks or sit-ups in your office. Anything to move yourself that can change your emotions or the current state that you're in. That was just his last little tip that he threw out there that was on that interview. Um, uh, I, 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 agree, I, I, like I agree that. with that. Yeah, I like that. I, mean, I generally just put my head or fist through a wall, but, you know, teach their own. That's that's a way to <laughs> physically change your state, for sure. <laughs> Makes me happy. Yes. Breaking shit can be fun. Oh, God. It's definitely a therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just don't get into breaking anybody's faces because then nah. I'll have to go bail you out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, I believe that too. I believe the more that you get up and, and have a movement flow, it can definitely change your mood quickly. Like if you're pissed off or really upset or maybe just feeling blue or something, don't sit on the couch and just rot away. It's like, get up, go for a walk, maybe get some fresh air outside, stand in the sun a little bit. You know, it does, it, it does help. I'm not saying it's going to cure every little fucking it's a quick fix. Kind of shit you got going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's a quick fix. And what you got to do, I would, think is identify certain things that you can do. Like, like he said, he, sometimes he does jumping jacks in his office. Well, maybe he's getting, uh, that's because he's getting tired. He's getting bored because he does all his work on a computer and phone calls and shit like that. That's his business. So getting up and doing some jumping jacks for just a minute or two. Hey, I know a guy named Ben Greenfield. He does lots of, uh, physical work used to be like one of the top rated personal trainers in the United States, but all his stuff now is doing videos and sitting at a computer and writing and phone calls. So he has a trampoline that he bounces on one of those little miniature trampolines. He'll bounce on it for a couple minutes when he gets bored or stagnant or whatever, just to get his blood circulated, his lymph flow, all that different stuff. He talks about it. That's how he gets himself in a different state. That's what Ed Milet's talking about. Maybe it's if you can get down and do some sit-ups or some push-ups, maybe going for a walk because you're sad or whatever. Go out and get some sunshine. Walk around the neighborhood. Go to the park. Something like that. All these things really can have a quick change on your emotional state. You just got to identify what physical things that you can do. What is it physically that you can do? And then what is it that it does to your state when you get involved in these things? And I mean, I've ran it on this for probably the last year and a half that I've been doing this podcast working out's my drug. I've, it's not just for me to stay in shape. It's, I work out because mentally I would go fucking insane if I didn't do it. Yeah. It's kind of like whenever riders have riders blocks, they've been sitting down, they can't, their, their minds just kind of stuck. And then you hear, I've heard stories of certain kinds of riders that would get up, leave the area, 
go outside, go for a walk, change their whole mindset. Don't even think about the book. Come back to it later on after, you know, they had the nice meal, a nice walk, whatever it was. They took their dog for a walk. I've heard all kinds of stories. They open up a little uh, glass of uh, wine. They sit back down and all of a sudden they're free flowing again. Yeah. Sometimes you just get stagnant from sitting around, you know? Yes. I totally agree with that. Especially like for the writing example that you're giving there, because getting writer's block or getting stuck because you're sitting there consistently droning on doing the same thing, writing, 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 your thoughts can get stuck. Your wheels can stop spinning and just taking a walk and who, who gives a fuck what it is. If you're walking and, you know, I've known lots of great writers that walk and smoke cigarettes or they walk and have a beer with them when they go for a walk. Or I've heard lots of strange, different things that people say, oh, that's horrible. That's well, it fucking works for them. So it doesn't matter if you identify that as something that works and changes your state, your emotions, your feelings, the, the way you are at the current moment that's not working. It puts you in a situation that is working for you. It's better. It feels better then who gives a fuck whatever it is hey i say go for it i agree that's all ed had and i think ed's a wonderful dude you don't know really too much about him but that's a little taste of what he's all about so you learned something about him today what do you think yeah i think he's i, I think he's got a, a lot of good points I mean, I, I think they're very similar to other people's points. They're just kind of written differently, but it does. It all makes sense if you actually apply it. Yeah. Big point. You got to do something about it. Action is required. Boom. That's it. You could be the one like Neo in the Matrix. Do one more. One more rep. Try one more time. Learn one more thing. Always take one more try. Listen to what Mr. Milet had in this message today. Try and apply some of it in your life. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Very glad that you were here. Rate and review the episode if you can at whatever podcast site you're on. And look for the support link below if you'd like to help us out keeping this thing going. That's it for now. Until the next episode, take care out there in podcast land. Much love. Later. Do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area. I do deconstruct some experts in their material and deliver it to you, but please do all of this at your own risk. Email me. Contact.